you're listening to the Wise Wife Podcast. So you want a better marriage? Well then buckle up, buttercup. You're in the right place. Sheena wrote in and asked, how did you move past the pain after Tim came home? Okay, I get this question a lot or variations of this question. Like, how did you forgive him? How did you move past the hurt? How did you let it go? So today we are going to talk about the pain. Whether you have a marriage that has broken down completely, like mine did, or you're struggling with an intact marriage, I know there is a lot of pain involved. When someone has caused us great pain, I really believe there's one thing at the root of that pain. And if you don't attack the root, then everything you do to try and heal the pain, avoid the pain, ignore the pain, none of it is going to work. And you'll end up in this vicious cycle of coping and all these random coping mechanisms that actually don't help you cope or help you heal or help you feel any better. A lot of times they actually make you feel worse. So when we don't attack the root, every other attempt is futile. If you've read my book, The Wise Wife Blueprint, then you know my story. And of course, it's not complicated to say that it's painful to have your husband walk out on you, to have your marriage of nearly a decade fall apart, to be left to pick up the pieces alone as a single mother. Okay, all those things were and are painful. In fact, I personally have not faced anything more painful than being rejected by your covenant spouse. It's it's like this supernatural one flesh just gets severed in half. And it's really unlike any other pain I have felt. I think it's a supernatural pain, actually, because we are meant to be woven together as one flesh. So there is a lot of pain when our marriages break down. Okay, that goes without saying, but I'm saying it. But I'm going to walk us through some things today that are going to challenge your concept of pain. As the Lord took me through my wise wife boot camp, as I like to call it, I had to come to terms with the fact that what was really happening beneath the surface and the distraction of my pain was a spirit of offense. I was offended. I was offended that he would do this to our family. I was offended that he rejected me. I was offended that he left me to be a single mother. I was offended that he was betraying our vows. In truth, I can go back way before my husband ever left and see how taking offense was at the root of much of our marital breakdown. The problem with offense whether in big life-altering situations or just normal conversations, is that when we allow offense into our life, it then works its way into our heart. And once it's in our hearts, it quickly becomes the way we see the world, constantly offended, in a chronic state of offense. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to live in a chronic state of offense. Why? Because when we are offended... We are one step away from division, self-righteousness, hatred, anger, bitterness, resentment. Offense is what pushes us toward. I would say it catapults us toward all those really ugly sins. So when I was faced with this fork in the road of my life of, okay, what do you do? Do I take him to the cleaners and make him pay? Or do I look to the word and do what Jesus is saying I should do? 
scriptures like Matthew 5, 43 to 45, where Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Oof. I just didn't see how I could read that and then take vengeance on my estranged husband, who in every human standard deserved my wrath. Okay, and then reading 2 Timothy 2.21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. If you are going to battle to save your marriage, I, I would put that in the category of every good work. And even if you just want to safeguard an intact marriage, also very good work. The very first thing that has to happen is laying down a spirit of offense as we seek to keep ourselves pure. Some of you grew up in homes that were offended all the time. And for some of you, you only know offense and, and you don't even know that that's all you know. It's been with you since the beginning of your life. And you can experience incredible freedom when you uproot something that has been plaguing you your whole life. When you've been looking at life through the lens of a fence, it's like you're wearing glasses and you don't even know it. And you've got to take those glasses off. You have to take that lens off because the world is such a better place when we're not constantly offended. In my marriage, where there was so much hurt and betrayal, learning to refuse offense benefited me not only in the short term, but in the long term too. Okay, so for starters, yeah, my marriage is restored and thriving and we're celebrating over 21 years together and we had another child and we had blessings in business and we got to travel the world as a family and we're setting out to do that again. These are dreams that people only hope for. That happened as rewards for me fighting and for Tim's obedience in coming back. But laying down the offense, even in the short term, immediately benefited me. It protected me from the fiery darts of the enemy that were coming at me all the time. It put up that shield of righteousness because when we're embracing offense, we're not being righteous. We're partnering with the enemy. We're doing his will. That's what a demonic agreement is, right? We're, we're, we're saying, hey, that sinful thing, like offense, I, I like you. I like the way you make me feel. And I, I agree with you. Yeah, I should be upset. I do deserve better. Those are all demonic agreements. I mean, think about who you're talking to when you say those things to yourself. You're not talking to the Lord. And it's very easy to justify this when you've been really hurt. Okay, in our culture, it's very easy to justify that feeling of offense. Anytime our husband has done something to us that is clearly wrong. Heck, in our culture, it's okay to be offended if every one of your needs is not met. Like, how dare he? I guess he's just not the one for you. For some of us, this isn't a gray area, right? Like some of these things are very black and white and the things that our husbands have done are wrong. So it is very easy to justify that offense. And yet Jesus still said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. 
I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to be seen as a true child of the Father. But Jesus also continues on to say, For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Double oof. Okay, Jesus is really laying it down here. He's saying, yeah, love them. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, 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 they hurt you. Yeah, yeah, they persecuted you. Yes, now go love on them. I mean, I know the Father is not dismissive of our pain. I know that he has held me in my pain over and over and over again. But at the end of the day, he is also telling me to buck up, get out there, and be the hands and feet of Jesus to my enemies. Okay, here I want to say something I'm really clear about in my book, but I haven't said on this podcast yet. There's obviously a time and a place for separation when you're physically in danger, okay? I'm not a proponent of sticking around to get beat on, and I just want to make that really clear while we're talking about some pretty hard things on this podcast. And I have had those conversations with women who have reached out to me where they are struggling with the threat of physical abuse or actual physical abuse, okay? And this is not something I am fickle on at all. If there is physical abuse in your marriage or even the threat of physical abuse, I do suggest separation be done in a loving and supportive way, but be done with the support of people who trust you and who believe you. And sometimes that's not family. Sometimes, heck, sometimes that's a woman's shelter, because you have no one else who will believe you. And I hate having put that out there, but that is the reality of some of the women listening and some of the women I have helped over the years. Okay, so that's my disclaimer here. Okay, with that aside, we all know now I'm talking about, and I'm talking to the majority of women who are hurting in their marriage, but are physically safe. Okay, but it, but what it has come down to is the fact that your husband has acted out or is acting out in very hurtful and maybe even hateful ways. How do you heal from that kind of pain? And how do we not get offended? Okay, and this is it. Forgiveness. When we forgive the offense, there is no offense to be had. If it's already been dealt with, there's no offense. When Tim came home, he was more broken than when he left. There was more damage in our marriage than ever before. There was more brokenness. There was more of everything bad. So when Sheena's asking me, how did you deal with the pain when Tim came home? Well, there was no pain. When Tim came home, I was through the roof, ecstatic, excited, and ready for the next level of my battle. But the reality was I was different because I had spent that separation going through my wise wife boot camp, doing the work on myself, getting right with the Lord. And so when that day came that my husband came home, I was an armored warrior ready for battle. Now, it was still really hard, as all battle is, but I was able to do it because I was armored up in spiritual weapons, guys, okay? Not with lawyers and therapists and checklists of all the things he needs to change if you're ever going to take him back or any of the other things that, you know, they say you should do. No, for me, it was just straight up, Jesus, what are you calling me to do? Oh, you say love my enemies to bless those who persecute me? Okay, so how can I be a blessing to Tim today? The first thing we must do in healing pain is to uproot the spirit of offense. You are choosing to be offended. No matter what has happened, it's a choice to be offended. 
But when you allow that to enter into your heart, there is going to be a slew of consequences and God is going to have his hand lifted from you until you figure it out because he doesn't bless us when we're in disobedience and defiance. He's a good father. And so if this is you and you're feeling this, the first thing you need to do is repent of offense. Pray against it, rebuke it, and expose it. Ephesians 5.11. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. So step one, I rebuke you, spirit of offense. I break every demonic agreement I have made with you in my pain and in my suffering. I bind you in the name of Jesus and command you to leave me. Go back to the barren, waterless places where you belong in Jesus' name. Okay, step one, play that back. Pray it out loud. The first step to healing from pain is dealing with that spirit of offense. Okay, but step two is knowing that by the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ has given us through his death on the cross, we are not victims. Step two is understanding you are not a victim. You may have been victimized, but that does not make you a victim unless, again, you choose to be the victim. And the problem with choosing to be a victim is just like choosing to be offended. When you choose to be a victim, you open yourself up to a lot of other really evil agreements. So something that's been done wrong to you and now you're embracing it, you're basking in it, you're telling everyone about it. How dare he? I can't believe this happened. I can't believe he'd do this to me. Victim, 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 victim. Now you're going to open up this Pandora's box to all sorts of justifications, feeling justified in your anger, feeling justified in your hatred, feeling justified in your bitterness, in your spitefulness, and in your pain. You're justified in your pain. These are all things that prevent you from ever healing. So yeah, if you want to talk about pain, there is going to be a lot of it because you're literally keeping this open wound as it festers and then you're like poking it and then pouring salt in it and then probably some battery acid on that sucker because now you're living in chronic offense and victimhood. Oh, those two, those two love coming at you together and they work in synergy So when we choose offense and victimhood, there is no healing for us. You understanding? There's no healing. You'll just keep beating your head against that same brick wall and wondering why you're not ever progressing, wondering where God is, wondering why he's not answering your prayers, wondering why he he feels far away. Pain can be a symptom, y'all. Like pain can be a symptom. Because if you're in excruciating emotional turmoil, that is a huge symptom that something's not right in your heart with the Lord. What you need is healing and freedom. And that comes from living out the way that the Lord has commanded us to live. And in this case, it's God saying, hey, someone wronged you and I am so sorry this happened. I love you. I know what's best for you, but you've got to trust me because I allowed it to happen. So if we know that God is sovereign, are you still going to be offended? Are you still going to play the victim card? Because if God is sovereign and he's not just responding to our choices like some reactionary weak God, and he knows the A to Z and he allows everything to happen the way it happens, then if you're offended by your circumstances, what does that mean? It means, are you offended by God? That is a very dangerous place to be. 
It's very lonely. It's very dark. And it is very painful. On the flip side, when we repent and we rebuke that spirit of offense, when we cut all ties with it, even though it hurts our flesh to do it because it always feels good to sit in sin, in the short term, it feels good. But when we reject that and when we reject the victim narrative and we instead embrace the fact that when we keep ourselves pure, we will be a utensil God can use for his purposes and our lives will be clean and we will be ready for the master to use us for every good work. Come on. Is that not exciting? I mean, please, that is exciting because of all the things to accomplish in this world. That is what I want to be able to go and face the Lord at the end of my life and have him say, great work, Natasha. I really enjoyed using you to do a lot of incredible stuff down there. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. That's what I want. Certainly don't want to get in by the skin of my teeth, dragging all my offense and bitterness behind me, dropping it at the door before I step in. Don't want that. I'm not sure how this, that really works, y'all, because Paul had some strong words about people who just kept sinning because they were banking on God's grace. And if we're going to sit in constant chronic offense, are we not then relying on God's grace over and over again, but without actually doing what he has commanded us to do, which is to love our enemies? Listen, Satan is having an absolute field day with your pain. He just loves it. He loves to just keep poking that bear, throwing those thoughts into your mind of, oh, I can't believe that happened. Oh, how dare he do that? Oh, there he goes again, doing the things he always does. Oh, you deserve so much better. He's always looking to feed that beast of offense. He loves it. It puts you in a place to be molded and to be malleable and be sent further away from the purposes that God has for you. Because offense is defiance. It's disobedience. It's straight up rebellion. So instead, when we choose to lay down our offense, we can then ask Jesus to help us love our enemies, to bless our enemies. And from there, we can take action because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So once we do that in our hearts, then we can actually take some incredible action to bless our enemies. And then we will actually really truly want to bless them, which is in what happened in my case. From having a stony, cold heart that was dead to then being obedient in laying down my offense and being obedient in, in my humility of accepting that I made mistakes and I needed to own those mistakes and that it did not make what my husband did any better or worse, but it meant that that was his journey and not mine. When I took personal responsibility, then the next step was I wanted to bless my enemies. I wanted to see them prosper. And it is actually a really freeing thing when you don't want vengeance. Okay, so even if your husband doesn't deserve to be blessed by human standards because of all the XYZ things he's done, you can ask the Lord, how can I bless my husband today? Whether he's living with you, he's a prodigal, or even if you have a great marriage, and this isn't really a big stretch for you, it's a question I ask myself very often. How can I bless my husband today? And sure, it's really easy to ask that question when your husband's amazing. And most days, it is very easy for me now. But even when he was estranged and he was with other women and he was being very hateful to me, 
I looked for ways to bless him. Because that's what Jesus told me to do. He said, hey, even the pagans are nice to their friends. Oh, so you're going to be nice to your nice husband? That's easy. Even the pagans do that, he says. But it is a supernatural, miraculous, loving act of God for us to love our enemies. And it is why we need the heart change to happen first. Once we act out in that love, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that is what will change this world. You know, in my experience, when I have done those things, I not only protected my heart from the fiery darts of the enemy, who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life and legacy, but I also saw incredible, amazing growth and change happen here in the natural, either in myself or my husband or in my marriage. There is a lot to talk about when it comes to fighting to save a marriage, and I can't cover those effective strategies without first talking about offense. If you are offended and playing the victim, it will sabotage everything else you try to do. In fact, in my book, I have a chapter called If You Do Nothing Else, Do This, and it's literally about forgiveness and not taking offense. I believe that some of you right now have been begging and pleading God for your answer, for your restoration, for your miracle, but you're still offended and you're still resenting that your spouse has hurt you and that they're seemingly getting away with it. Laying down that offense, uprooting that demonic agreement that you've made in being offended is the first step to seeing some of these miracles come to pass. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are such a good, good father, that you would not bless us when we are in disobedience. And right now, we ask that you would reveal to us any areas where we are still defiant, where we are holding on to these negative agreements. I pray that the light, your light, would expose any darkness and any spirits of unforgiveness or offense in anyone who is listening to this, and that by the power you have given us in Jesus, we expose and reject those evil spirits of offense. God, I pray that you would send immediate healing to the hearts of those listening as they choose to carve out that offense and unforgiveness, and that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill them with more fruit of your spirit, that they would experience the joy of forgiveness. I pray for healing and freedom for every person who's listening today, and that your will would be done in their lives. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Wise Wife Podcast. Go to wisewifeblueprint.com and download your free battle strategy. These are the five things you must do if you want to see breakthrough in your marriage. And remember, it takes two to save a marriage. You and Jesus. Jesus.